Today we're going to take a really quick look at the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity. In the time we have for sermon, it's really difficult to cover this topic without saying something heretical. So in order to avoid that problem, we'll go over the same ground as last year. We'll follow St. Augustine's explanation of the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity, and we'll lean really heavily on Frank's sheet to do that. This topic takes a whole course in seminary just to get the basics down, so obviously we're only going to hit the high points. Quick review. Before we get going, we have to keep in mind that our imaginations make pictures of material things. When we're using our imaginations to make a picture of a unicorn or a blue moon or pink elephants, those are changeable material things that are found in imagination. Ideas, on the other hand, ideas like justice or love or truth are unchanging spiritual concepts that are found in the intellect. Our imaginations make pictures of material things. Now, why do we have to remind ourselves of this? Because many aspects of our faith are purely spiritual realities. If we're dealing with a purely spiritual reality, we can't help making an image of it because our imaginations aren't something we can shut off. But no matter what image we make of it, it's already going to be wrong because we can't picture something that's purely spiritual correctly. Everybody learned this when they took geometry. When you're sitting there puzzling about a geometric point, remember it doesn't have any spread to it. So no matter how sharpened you made your pencil and made a little point on the paper, or you imagine that point, you know that that doesn't work. You can understand the, the, the idea that it doesn't have any spread. That's in your intellect. You can understand the idea. But in your imagination, no matter what you do, you're always going to picture that little black dot and you realize, well, it's not a little black dot. It's a geometric point. Okay. Our imagination can't correctly depict spiritual realities. The Most Holy Trinity, when we're speaking of God, He's the pure spirit. So any image we make will always be wrong. So we don't want to be misled by the image. We can still understand things as long as we keep in mind that the image is incorrect. Now that's by way of precaution. Today there's three terms we need to hit again on and make sure we have a reasonably working uh, handle on them. Mystery, nature, and person. The three terms are mystery, nature, and person. Mystery. When we say that something is a mystery of our faith, we don't mean what we would mean in ordinary conversation. Well, that's a mystery, like I don't know anything about it, or I'm just clueless, or nobody knows anything. That's not at all what we mean, like what would you ordinarily speak. God hasn't decided to reveal things to us so that we wouldn't know anything about them or weren't supposed to think about them. Something like the mystery of the Holy Trinity is something that God wants us to think about, or he wouldn't have revealed it to us. He wants us to think about it, but when we say mystery, it has to do with something we can never fully understand. The point is, we can keep thinking about a mystery even through eternity, and we can keep penetrating deeper and deeper, getting more and more of understanding of different aspects of it, but we'll still never be able to fully grasp it. That's easy to see with this particular mystery. Why? Because we here we are with these puny little created intellects, and we're trying to understand the infinite God. We'll never be able to comprehend it. He's revealed himself to us, 
but it's you know I mean he's not a size but we could say you know we have this this you know infinitely big and we're in we're super small you know it's a speck of dust trying to trying to bring the ocean in it just isn't going to work you can't soak up the ocean in a speck of dust okay so even in all eternity we can't wrap our minds around this mystery so mystery of the faith is an, a truth but it's an inexhaustible truth that we think about forever and keep understanding more and more aspects of it and never get all the details that's what we mean when we say a mystery of the faith and the mystery the principal mystery the central mystery of the faith is the mystery of the most holy trinity nature Imagine we're staying in a cabin in the woods, and late at night we hear some strange noise. We wake up and wonder, what is that? Is that a grizzly bear? Is that a coyote? What is that noise? When we ask the question, what is it? We're asking a question about nature. Now, nature is a philosophical term. It has to do with the whatness of something. Fish have fish nature, so they live and breathe and swim through water. Birds have bird nature, so they have feathers and they lay eggs. We have human nature. That means we've got a body and an immortal soul, a spiritual soul. We can walk and laugh and, and think and, and talk. In ordinary language, nature answers the question, what is it? What is it? And nature also determines what something can do. So nature, what is it? And what can it do? What is it? What can it do? Person. Now imagine we're out in that cabin and we hear a knock at the door. We don't stop and go, what is that? Is that a grizzly bear? Is that a coyote? Nobody thinks like this, at least I hope not. We already know what it is. We already know it's a human being. We wonder, who's there? Not, what's there? Why? Because we already know it's something with a human nature. When we ask who, we're asking a question about persons. So nature determines what something is and what it can do, but person, that's who's knocking. That's who's doing a particular thing. Take, for example, all of us here have human nature except for the angels and demons that are present. Okay, they have angelic natures. But we're all different persons. Who are we? Well, I'm Father Wolf, for example. Every one of us has the same nature here, but we all have different persons. Okay? So the abilities of a particular thing are determined by its nature, we're all men, so we can talk, but our nature doesn't talk. We talk. The person talks. The person actually performs action. I'm talking right now. My nature isn't talking. I'm talking, me, Father Wolf, a person, okay? You're sitting. Your nature isn't sitting. You're listening. Your nature isn't listening. You're thinking. Your nature isn't thinking. Speaking, thinking, laughing. All these things are possible to someone that has a human nature, but the nature doesn't do it. The particular person is the one speaking, thinking, laughing, sitting. A particular person, okay? When we do that, our nature doesn't do it, we do, a person. One other important point, we don't ask, who is that, when we're standing there looking at a strange new vegetable in the produce aisle, okay? Why not? Because vegetables aren't persons. Neither are minerals or animals, in spite of the confusion of some of our environmentalist neighbors. Unlike dogs or carrots or clouds or mountains, which are not whose, persons have rational natures. A rational nature means that a person can know and love. Persons can know and love. There are three kinds of persons, since there are only three persons that have, three kinds of beings that have rational natures. 
Those are man, angels, and God. Men, angels, and God. So nature tells us, what is it? What can it do? person tells us, who is it? Who's actually doing it? Okay? Nature tells us, what is it? What can it do? person tells us, who is it? Who's actually doing it? A mystery is an inexhaustible truth that we can never completely understand, but we can keep on penetrating into deeper and deeper as we think about it, meditate on it, even through all eternity. Remember also, keep in mind, that God's the infinite spirit. So any picture that you make during the course of this sermon of the Most Holy Trinity is already wrong. Beforehand, we already know you make a picture, it's wrong. You can't help making mental pictures, that's what your imagination is there for. But don't be misled by the picture, keep in mind it's wrong. Any more than you're misled in the seventh grade when you're doing geometry on your geometric points. Okay, so all that's by way of preliminaries. Let's get started. That great pagan had a great pagan mind, Plato, wondered, if there's one God, what does he think about? And if there's one God, whom does he love? Those are excellent questions. If there's one God, what does he think about? And whom does he love? First, what does God think about? God has an idea. But he only has one idea. He already knows everything, and he hasn't forgotten anything. He's God. He only has one idea, and that idea can never change. It's an eternal, unchanging idea, since he certainly isn't going to learn anything, and he certainly isn't going to forget anything either. Now remember that God is infinite. That means no limits. He's infinite, and so he has a limitless intellect. The only thing that an infinite mind like that could find that's even worth thinking about is something infinite, the infinite being. What does that mean? That means that the idea that God has in his infinite mind is the idea that he has of himself, and it can't change. His idea is as eternal as he is. He didn't suddenly think of it, okay? Unlike us, where we can have a new idea, he doesn't. He can't learn anything. He's God. Now here's another extraordinary thing. The idea that God has of himself must be absolutely perfect. Why? Because he already knows everything. So what does that mean? That means that whatever is in God must also be in his idea. Whatever's in God must be in his idea of himself. And whatever's in God's idea of himself must be absolutely and exactly the same in himself. Otherwise, he would not have a clear idea of himself. That's ridiculous because he already knows everything. So whatever's in God must be in his idea of himself, and it must be exactly the same in his idea as it is in himself. He has this perfect complete knowledge of himself. It has to be exactly the same, otherwise God wouldn't know everything about himself, would he? Then we're not talking about God, we're talking about someone else. God knows everything. That's so much different than our kind of ideas that it is impossible for us to imagine. Remember our imaginations. 
It's impossible for us to imagine, but it's not impossible for us to understand. I didn't say comprehend. We can't comprehend God, but we can understand that he has to have a perfect idea. We're not going to comprehend this. When we're done, we'll be in a more luminous darkness. Don't be under any illusions. We're not going to comprehend this, but we can understand. Now it gets even more interesting. Any idea we might have is a thing. Our ideas are things. Our idea of love, our idea of justice, that's a thing. But this is not true with God. Why not? Well, because whatever's in God must be in his idea of, in his idea of himself, and since it must be exactly the same in his idea as it is in he himself, that means that since God himself can know and love, his idea must be able to know and love. Since God can know and love, his idea of himself can know and love. In other words, his idea is not a thing. Things can't know and love. Persons can know and love. His idea is a person. Now there's more. An idea isn't just off floating in space somewhere. Ideas don't just drift off out of your mind and go floating off somewhere outside a thinker. A thought is in the mind of a thinker. So this one idea of God has to be in the same identical nature as a thinker, doesn't it? Of course. So God's one idea of himself is a person, but it's in the same nature. God conceives within his own infinite nature a perfect, infinite idea, which because it is an idea is completely within his nature, and because it's a perfect idea of himself, it completely contains his nature. His idea, God's idea of himself, is an eternal, unchanging idea. It's an eternal, unchanging word. The thinker is the first person of the most blessed trinity, the Father. And the idea, the word, is the second person of the most blessed trinity, the Son. So what does God think about? He thinks about himself. All right, so God thinks about himself, but whom does he love? When we have a beautiful idea, we can admire it, we can dwell on it, we can even love it, but still, it's only an idea, it's just a thing. We can love it, but our idea sure can't return our love. But as we've seen, God's idea himself, the eternal word, is not something, but someone. His idea is a person, the second person of the most holy trinity. Just as God is absolutely and infinitely perfect and worthy of all love, so also his idea is absolutely and infinitely perfect and worthy of all love. And so the thinker, the Father, and the Word, the Son, love each other with a perfect and an infinite love. Each person pours himself out totally towards the other, holding nothing back, And this love that the Father and the Son have for each other is eternal, unchanging. They can't love each other more or less. They're God. They do it perfect. Unchanging, infinite, has every perfection they do, is a person, someone, the third person of the Most Holy Trinity. And, of course, the love the Father and Son have for one another totally fill their whole nature. That produces a third person from all eternity. But again, this person is within the divine nature. 
So the second person, the Word, the Son, proceeds from the Father and is generated by way of the intellect. And the third person, the Holy Ghost, proceeds from the Father and the Son by way of the will. One divine nature, one divine nature, totally expressed as thinker, totally expressed as word, totally expressed as love. Three divine persons, one divine nature. What are you? That's a question about nature. God. Who are you? A question about a person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but not three separate persons. Three distinct persons, but not three separate persons. These three divine persons do not share the divine nature. They're distinct, but not separate, and they do not share the divine nature. They do not share. Each one possesses divine nature totally. The Father possesses divine nature totally. The Son possesses it totally. The Holy Spirit possesses divine nature totally. All right? Let's review. Since God is infinite spirit, any pictures you make of the Most Holy Trinity are wrong. You can't help making mental pictures. That's your imagination does. But don't be misled by it. Just keep in mind, whatever I'm thinking, it's already wrong in terms of image. A mystery is an inexhaustible truth that we can never completely understand, but that we can keep drawing more and more out of it as we contemplate it and roll it around. Nature tells us, what is it? What can it do? Person tells us, who is it? Who's actually doing it? Okay? God's idea of himself, the eternal word, is a person. Just as God is absolutely and infinitely perfect and worthy of all love, so also his idea is absolutely and infinitely perfect and worthy of all love. And so the Father and his idea, the Word, the Son, love each other with this perfect and infinite love. Each person pours himself out totally in love towards the other, holding nothing back. And this love that the Father and Son have for each other is an eternal, unchanging, infinite person, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Most Blessed Trinity. The second person, the Word, the Son, proceeds from the Father and is generated by way of the intellect. And the third person, the Holy Ghost, proceeds from the Father and the Son by way of the will. God is three distinct divine persons, but not three separate persons. These three divine persons do not share the divine nature. Each person possesses it totally. The Father possesses it totally. The Son possesses it totally. The Holy Ghost possesses it totally. One nature, one God, three persons in the one God. One God, three persons. They're distinct, not separate. Four things to do. First, pray for light to come to a deeper understanding of this mystery. Second, ponder the words in the Nicene Creed, which we are about to sing. Third, ponder the words in the preface of today's Mass. Fourth, ponder the words in the Athanasian Creed, which I think was printed in today's bulletin. Don't get discouraged. At best, we'll be in a more luminous darkness. Even, please God, we get to heaven. We have all eternity to contemplate this mystery, the central mystery, and we'll never uh, comprehend it. We can contemplate it. We can keep penetrating deeper and deeper into it, but we can never comprehend it. Let's close with a passage from the Fourth Lateran Council. We firmly believe 
and simply confess that there is only one true God, eternal and immeasurable, almighty, unchangeable, incomprehensible and ineffable, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, but one absolutely simple essence, substance, or nature. The Father is from none. The Son from the Father alone. And the Holy Spirit from both. Equally, eternally, without beginning or end, the Father generating, the Son being born, and the Holy Spirit proceeding. Consubstantial and co-equal, co-omnipotent and co-eternal.